In the work of making our communities the best they can be, there's certainly government that plays a role, educational institutions, faith communities also. But the work of nonprofits, especially faith-based nonprofits, is a unique role. Ruth Fitzgibbons has been at work to help them be all they can be. And you'll hear more from her on Good God coming up. Stay tuned. Welcome to Good God, conversations that matter about faith and public life. I'm George Mason, your host, and I'm pleased to introduce today to our program, Ruth Fitzgibbons. She is principal at the Richards Group and uh, has uh, really been one of those people that has worked in the community to uh, help make life better for people through her work, especially with nonprofits. Uh, Ruth is um, uh, also an elder at her Presbyterian church, Preston Hollow Presbyterian. And so, Ruth, I'd like to just sort of begin there, if we could, uh, because uh, good God is always trying to look at the intersection between people's faith and vocation. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your faith journey, and, uh, and, and we'll start there and then move into the work aspect. Well, thank you, and thank you for having me. Um, I'd say my faith journey is a bit checkered, <laughs> in a sense. Um, I grew up... Uh, in a family that couldn't quite decide whether they were Presbyterian or Methodist. And we had kind of um, spotty attendance uh, at various Presbyterian and Methodist church, churches in Dallas. And then um, in a, uh, a story that is sort of uh, famous lore in my family, my father, who was a brilliant man and um, deeply uh, curious about the world, was a voracious reader, had claimed to have read the Bible um, multiple times, um, went through a period of uh, great questioning. Hmm. Uh, and the story goes that he asked so many questions to, uh, I won't name names, but a certain uh, pastor at the time of a certain Presbyterian church that that, that pastor um, retired <laughs> because, <laughs> because he was so uh, exhausted exhausted and, and, and maybe uh, started questioning some things himself. Wow. I, I don't know how much truth there is in that, but um, at the same time, my father was a um, very uh, significant and important uh, civic leader in Dallas. He was mm -hmm. part of the team that desegregated the luncheon counters. Wow. Um, he was uh, a founder of the salesmanship clubs, mm -hmm. camps for troubled youth, president of the salesmanship club when he died. He died at 61 very suddenly. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually, he that year, he was president of the Greater Dallas Community Council, which is mm -hmm. all about inclusion. And yeah. so, um, can I just say, that was kind of confusing. Yes, right. <laughs> uh, because... Um, you know, on the one hand, I had certainly had a smattering of Sunday school learning and, mm -hmm. and church attendance, uh, but never really very sustained. Mm. Um, and on the other hand, you know, I saw this magnificent man with a, a heart for um, all kinds of people that he didn't know. And in fact, people used to show up on our doorsteps mm -hmm. um, seeking his counsel. Uh, so mm. right. he was quite impactful. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of 
human need and, yes. and, and uh, improving society in Dallas. Um, and then when I got to high school, um, I had a crush on a boy who went to Preston Hollow Presbyterian uh -huh. Church. Okay. And I joined the church Yes, on my own. The youth, well. I, also, my best friend was part of the youth, the youth okay. house there. So I started going to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church by myself. You know, we call, that we call that missionary dating. Yeah, yes, that's right. yeah. I just wanted to hold hands in church. Yeah, uh -huh. That was all I was hoping. And um, that really led me to that church, which uh -huh. uh, has been a huge part of my life ever yeah. since, even though I left for college, moved to New York and lived there for 11 years. So I was gone right. for, for quite a while. But when we uh, moved to Dallas, or mo I moved back to Dallas, mm -hmm. um, we had... Uh, small children and enrolled them at the preschool and kind of started going to church there. And that was my older son is 39. So right. that was a long time ago. Well, and we, we have churches, yours and mine, Wilshire Baptist, that uh, I, I like to say that um, if you if you actually are in either one of those churches and you close your eyes and didn't know where you were, you, you might make a mistake because they yeah. They, they feel an awful lot alike, even though the brand name on the outside yeah. is, is different in its tradition. And this is actually true about religion in America generally today, is it's not always the, um, the middle name of the church that yeah. matters as much, you right. know, whether Presbyterian or Baptist. Uh, there's, there's, there, there are other kinds of divisions uh, among churches, uh, but there's a lot more likeness sometimes among churches of different denominations that have a kind of worldview that is similar, a, a sense of how to live your faith in, in the community and in your everyday life. And, and Preston Hollow Pres and Wilshire Baptist are, are two very kindred spirit churches, yeah. oddly enough, about that. No, I know. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, when you, it, it's, this faith journey is hard to define, and in my case, it's still going on. In everybody's uh, case, yeah. let's be honest, right? Mine too. And I right. really love, uh, I, I love the way our longtime pastor, uh, yes. Blair Moni, who passed away a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. uh, was quite significant in my life. And I was thinking, reflecting, in fact, on Sunday after his service, I started reading all of his Caring Bridge wow, yes. entries again. I started at the bottom because wow. I want, and I'm not through, and I want to really yeah. take my time with them because they, one of the one of the lines in uh, the service, and I know you were there, was mm -hmm. um, his. He had so many important sermons about mm -hmm. um, how to live your life, how to live out your faith right. in right. the world and in the community, but those Caring Bridge. Posts are sermons in really how to deal with a diagnosis of a serious illness and ultimately how to die. And uh, they, I sure hope they don't take them down. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, they are a model for us. I, I followed them all the way through as well, and and uh, I, I kept marveling at every step. I kept asking myself, would I be able to say those things? Yeah. And you don't know until you're there, of course. But what was beautiful about them is that. Um, the, the person you knew all those years was the same person you knew when he knew uh, that he was, yes. he was dying. And so the faith that he delivered to others was a faith he lived himself. And that integrity and uh, the, the dependability of it, the way it was proved out in his dying, 
is such a witness, isn't it? It is. It, it, it really, it validates everything about who he was and, and what he believed. Exactly. Yeah. You know, backing up from that and, you know, you asked kind of about the intersection of faith and then what I do for a living. Yeah. Uh, and there are a lot of places we can go with that. But one of the things, just while we're on the topic of Blair Money, one of the things that um, I'll never forget. Uh, so one of the things that we do in mm -hmm. our discipline and team at uh, the Richards Group is connect our clients and um, with the news media. Yes. And we help them, as you know, through yes. those um, situations, which can be uh, tricky mm -hmm. and uh, are always stress-inducing for all parties. And um, Blair was uh, going to be uh, leading the Presbyterian General Assembly, Presbyterian mm -hmm. USA General mm -hmm. Assembly, in its vote, final vote on the LGBTQ exactly, and um, so I went over to the church, you know, a couple of weeks or several weeks before he was traveling to to do this, and we role played and um, and again he did a fantastic job by all accounts of of kind of making all sides feel uh, that at least uh, yes. the process was survivable. Yes, <laughs> um, but. Uh, he also did a fabulous job representing right. the General Assembly um, in the media. Well, and that, and that was spoken about in his service, too. And I, I think, uh, so what we're talking about here is that uh, every, every Christian denomination in America, every religion in America is dealing with the question of um, what, what role uh, LGBTQ uh, folk play in our churches and whether they are going to be fully included or continue to be marginalized in in certain ways that uh, you know to be fair historically has been true and has been true based upon um, written texts and traditions of, of our churches but your church and my church have both gone through uh, the process that led us beautifully I think uh, in both cases to say uh, that um, we're not going to put modifiers before somebody else's uh, Christian faith, uh, that uh, everybody uh, is, uh, is welcome in our church. And uh, Blair really did that in a way, not only in your local church, but denominationally to help uh, that happen. And of course, Presbyterians uh, are, are famous for doing things decently and in order, after yes, all. absolutely. Ruth, you know. Very uh, civilly. Yes. Well, uh, that, that is not the history of Baptists. No. Uh, you know, Harry Truman once said, uh, I am not a member of any organized religion. I am a Baptist. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and so, unfortunately, in our case, it was a bit more contentious, and I was not nearly as deft, I'm sure, as Blair would have been. But I dare him to have done it as a Baptist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't even <laughs> imagine. Know. But but what I'm saying is this is this is an indicator of uh, the the kind of faith tradition that each of us uh, favors is not so much whether it's Presbyterian or Baptist. It's 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 a worldview. It's a it's a way we live out our faith, and our churches do that in similar similar fashion. And you are a lay leader in that church. You are an elder uh, in uh, the Presbyterian church. What does it mean? 
for, for people who might be Baptists or Episcopalians or some, something else out there, what does it mean to be well, an elder? Well, I'm actually not an elder. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought you okay. were. Oh, I mis uh, misrepresented I've, you. I've been on, um, you know, a number of strategic planning okay. committees, okay. commissions. All right. Uh, right now, my role there is actually as a trustee of the uh, foundation. Okay. We have, we, have a, uh, mm -hmm. we had some foresight, foresighted yes. members in the early 90s that... Yes. Um, put together uh, a, a foundation with to try to grow an endowment mm -hmm. for okay. um, any kind of uh, you know time that the church might need yes. uh, some right. extra help there, and so that's really my role right now. Okay, all right. Um, but you know, I hope I'm considered a lay leader. Yes. Uh, in that I uh, I have helped on a number of occasions with you know again the the tools and the toolbox of my trade. Right, we've, right. We've done focus groups. Um, we've just yeah. rewritten a vision statement. Right. Uh, and, you know, language matters. And uh, our new pastor, Matthew mm. Ruffner, uh, wanted to bring kind of a fresh um, process to defining mm. what our vision is. And, of course, right. that's a lot of what we do yes. at the Richards Group is. is help um, all kinds of organizations. But... Mm -hmm. me specifically more in the nonprofit area, right. help them put language around yes. what it is that they're here to do. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and people would probably be laughing if, you know, 2,000 years ago they heard that the church needed branding and <laughs> emission statements and all that sort of thing. But, True. but on the other True. hand, here we are uh, at a point in history where uh, there is a certain... Um, you know, there, there are a myriad of churches and uh, people are unsure as to how to distinguish the, the way people approach the faith in one to the next. And so how you portray yourself and how you communicate is an important part of that. And how you tell yourself who you are. Ah, <laughs> that's true, isn't it? I, I yeah. honestly think yes. right now, and we're, this new vision statement is very fresh and I'm sitting here hoping I can remember it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure I can come up with the exact words, but the second part of it is an acting as if we all belong to God. And uh, I'm sorry, it's we all belong to God and we all belong to each other is oh, the nice, essence yeah. of it. Right, right. Uh, and, that, and Matthew has been preaching a whole series of mm -hmm. sermons since right after Labor Day on what each piece of that okay, good. means. Good. Uh, but when you get to the part about if we all belong to God and we all belong to each other, that I think takes us into the territory that my work is has yes. been active in, which right. is um, doing things with various organizations that are see themselves as stewards or uh, one way or another of um, helping people that need our help. And actually, this is a good point for us to break because we're going to um, have a word about a nonprofit that is dear to your heart that you're working with right now. And then we'll come back and talk more about that work you do. Okay. Okay. Great. After 8 to Educate is the first all-encompassing program to support unsheltered high school youth in Dallas by offering them education in a safe place as a pathway out of homelessness and poverty. 
the Fannie C. Harris Youth Center will house both a drop-in center and residential services. For more information, visit after8toeducate.com. We're back with Ruth Fitzgibbons, and she is... Uh, what she does is work essentially in public relations work and um, media relations and the like with the Richards Group. Uh, but Ruth, your, your focus has been in the nonprofit world since you've been there. Uh, I know you uh, had to convince Stan Richards that that was uh, something you could actually do uh, and make a profit <laughs> out of. But, uh, uh, but so you do for-profit work for nonprofits, uh, yeah. es essentially, and lots of pro bono work, I'm sure, as well. Well, uh, the pro bono is kind of baked in. And what, yeah. we, what we realized, and, and Stan, I joke about it, but he, was, he has been uh, enormously uh, supportive of uh, really, everything the agency's done for mm -hmm. the nonprofit community, um, most especially his uh, favorite charity, the Salvation Army, which I'll talk about in right. a minute. But um, but we think we at one point a lot of agencies will do nonprofit. We'll pick one yes right. organization right. And, and and basically give their services for mm -hmm. free. Well, <laughs> we had we kept building mm -hmm. nonprofit. Uh, clients and a portfolio of clients mm -hmm. that all of which we don't make a profit on yes. our time right. but we served at our cost rates and we recognize that you really just can't you can't say I'm going to take money from you and not take money from you I mean it right. needed to be fair mm -hmm. across the board so um, we just ended up telling people this is this is how we do it and yes. uh, we'll We'll make it as affordable as we possibly can, sure. and which we do, and we mm -hmm. uh, probably spend um, two hours for every one hour we charge. But um, right, but, that's but you've you've had some well. some tremendous clients uh, in the nonprofit world, and uh, with, with um, branding mottos that have been <laughs> memorable. Uh, well, let's do the Salvation Army, so, for yep, instance. Doing the most good. Doing the most good. Yeah. How beautiful is that? And I served on the Children's uh, Medical Foundation, uh, yes. Children's Medical Center board for yes. uh, a long while, and making life better for children. Yep. Yep. I mean, these kinds of things that just roll off the tongue well, and you... Not off of my tongue, but some well, talented writer. Well, <laughs> nonetheless, this is, this is where it comes from yeah. in the process of hammering out in the branding yes. conversations, how that comes about. And yet it becomes a, a tremendous way of being able to articulate a mission of an organization, yeah. right? The so, other really great one is MD Anderson's Making, oh, making Cancer, Cancer History. history. Yeah, exactly That's, right. I can't. Yes. I, I yeah. wish I I had a dime for every client that says I need one of those. I need one of those. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we all need or doing one the of most those. Good. Yeah. Is, isn't that? that but true? doing the most good is is to me the the whole story of of how it was developed and then uh, probably even more importantly how it was received in the organization. Mm -hmm. It actually, Stan Richards was on the board, the advisory board of yes. the DFW, right. um, or, you know, organization here. And he, in, in, this is very, you know, much like him. He was appalled yes. by <laughs> how fractured and yes. fragmented their communications were, that right. they were all saying different things and uh -huh. it all looked different and to him, not pretty. Yes. And so he... He did do pro bono, right. take them through a um, our branding process, and um, the term 
doing the most good grew out of this workshop where yes. um, it was kind of a combination of a they do so many things that it's really hard to explain what they do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a lot easier to be the Red Cross or Feeding yes. America because mm -hmm. everybody right. knows kind of what you do. But the mm -hmm. Salvation Army, their mission, which is a hundred years old, mm -hmm. is um, meeting human need in his name yes. without discrimination. Right. Well, that's a pretty big mission. Yes. <laughs> uh, and so what that means is that they end up doing whatever the need is in right. whatever the community is. Mm -hmm. And so there, there needed to be some way to, uh, to talk about that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in shorthand. Uh, but the really great Richards Group taglines are always kind of double entendres. Exactly, yes. And so they also have a reputation for being um, great stewards of their donors dollars mm -hmm. and I think 82 cents of every dollar goes to direct service. Once again, the most good. Doing the most good. Right. So of course, I'm sure I wasn't, uh, I wasn't working on it then, but I'm sure they all came out of that workshop and were just, you know, so proud of that great line, which then went on to be, you know, on trucks and, uh, and everywhere. But well, I was just gonna say yep. that, that it wasn't as, readily received oh, really? by the rank and file okay. officers throughout the country yes. as you would think. And the reason was, and it's very much a part of their personality, they are so humble. Right. They thought it sounded right. like bragging. Ah, right, right. But again, that was a process of, it took a couple of years probably to sell it in. Uh, I, today everyone loves it and in fact, you can call an officer in San Diego and get mm -hmm. a voicemail message that says, I can't come to the phone right now, I'm doing the most good. <laughs> so wow. I think it's been completely yes. adopted now, yes. but at first people weren't sure right. whether they should say that. Well, I think I should say too that um, I, I know enough about you and what you do with these organizations that it's not just a front end sort of uh, branding process, but say, Salvation Army is a, a case in point when our mutual friend Jay Pritchard was working for you and was working with Salvation Army on that without discrimination part. They needed a lot of help yes. to be able to communicate that a traditional conservative Christian organization that was fully serving the interests of uh, LGBT persons who were in need was not discriminating in their own hiring practices yeah. and those sorts of things, and how that would be managed. They, they weren't able to do it well themselves, and that's also where you came in, to help help yes. them find their way through that. We, we have worked, um, worked tirelessly for the past six years because there are some myths and misperceptions and outright distortions mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. incidents that you know may or may not have happened 15 to 20 years ago to right. some person who went to a shelter I mean right. you know and what 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 we what we learned to say or taught ourselves to say is you know first of all it, it's a really large organization yes right. <laughs> yeah exactly. and um, you know there certainly could be a person somewhere who mm -hmm. didn't share uh, the the or didn't fully embrace the mission of Salvation Army and somehow yeah, right. yeah. did offend someone. Sure, sure. Um, but 
this very morning, I came here from a meeting uh, with the national commander, David Hudson, and his uh, wife, Sharon Hudson, commissioners, uh, the national commanders and commissioners at their headquarters. And just this morning, he made an impassioned speech um, just privately in our room as we were talking about how we have to continue to get across to everyone we serve and those who serve with us as donors and mm -hmm. volunteers that it's all about our mission. That is our mission. Right. And that's right. what he was saying just this morning. He's, and he always says it just like that to meet human need in his name yes. without discrimination. That right. is our mission. So it always right. comes back to that. So right, right. how can we exclude right. someone who has need? <laughs> and is made in the image of God. And you know, yeah. it's, it's our duty. It's, right? yeah. so. it's been such an interesting experience in the business world yes. to be serving this client. Yes. Uh, and, you know, I've gotten used to it now, but mm -hmm. when I first started working with them six years ago, I wasn't accustomed to praying yes. before every business meeting. Right. To, in a, you know, Stephen Pyle's restaurant, right. <laughs> sure. you know, holding hands and blessing yes. the food. Uh, and a lot of meetings start with a devotional. Yes, right. Which I've come to just love. Yes. And the, these officers are just the most wonderful people. Uh, and their stories and right. their knowledge of Scripture and their love of God yes. is has really been instructive and inspiring. You know, you talk about an intersection of business and faith. doesn't right. get much closer. Than so there's, there are faith communities. There are nonprofits. And then there are faith-based nonprofits. Yes. This is a faith-based nonprofit, right. but it's actually also a church. Most people really don't realize that about the, the Salvation right. Army. It's also a church. Yeah. But um, talk a little bit about the, the distinctive character of faith-based nonprofits over against nonprofits who are also doing you know, much the good Lord's work and doing the <laughs> Lord's work, exactly, yeah. but not so much. Uh, in God's name, so much as in the name of humanity, you might say. Yeah. And and so, uh, in, in your experience, uh, how do you see those as being distinguished one from the other? What's the uh, what's the, the different qualities about them? You know, that's a, that's a great question. I think in some faith-based nonprofits that are like North Dallas Shared Ministries, or yes. you know, we're all kind of you know, or the stew pot, or right. Uh, the soup kitchen or you right. know it seems like they're not all that different yes. from a, a mm -hmm. mo a, some other motivation that leads someone to mm -hmm. uh, to, to work at the bridge for example right. mm -hmm. um, so I think they're probably more alike than they're disalike mm -hmm. but what's so unique about the Salvation Army is that the officers who are serving you know are all pastors right and you know one of the famous sayings of the founder of the Salvation Army is soup, soap, and then salvation. Mm -hmm. So the whole uh, organization back in the 1850s in London, mm -hmm. the East End of London, was right. to, and, and it's based on Methodism because right. he was part of a Methodist John church, Ma, William yep. Booth. And oh, William Booth, right. Just no right. one, w and, right. and he did not see his church right. serving 
you know, the Bowery. Right, right. Uh, bums and drunks mm -hmm. and out and prostitutes that mm -hmm. were, you know, living on the streets. So that's really where it started. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't strayed all that far. I mean, it has strayed far from there. But well, that that belief that um, if you feed a man and clothe a man and, mm -hmm. you know, meet his basic human needs right. and then show him the way mm -hmm. to God and mm -hmm. to Christ, um, you have transformed a life. Well, that's right. And, it, and that's it, different uh, from uh, the soup it, it is different, <laughs> but it, and, and, and the, the ticklish thing with that is that you, you have to try to maintain the fact that you're doing this regardless of whether they respond to the, the message of faith at the end of the day, you know, you're, That's right. this is not a manipulative process where you're, you're doing a bait and switch or some, some sort of thing where you're just trying to lure them into the faith in some way. But, but it, it really comes from a holistic vision about the wellness of life completely and, 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 and also doesn't demand that they have to sit and listen to a sermon before they can have a bowl of soup. No, you know? not at all. Right. It, so it's, it's, it's completely volatile, and that's a, right. that's a misperception, too, it, about it, the it, Army. It really is, yeah. And um, other places do that, but not the Salvation Army. No, yeah. they don't. Right. Um, so. But I think, you know, in their heart of hearts, right. <laughs> um, they, they offer that, that spiritual and emotional care right. during disasters, during all kinds of mm -hmm. life's traumatic journey, sure. right. and because... Um, that's how they've been, their lives have been transformed. Absolutely. And a lot of the uh, younger officers who work in their adult rehabilitation centers and mm -hmm. you know are graduates of the program, so yes. they've seen they've seen their lives changed. So um, it's 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 just an interesting you know kind of going back to my father, um, you know we know that that work can happen and be effective and transformative in yes. lives. You know, maybe without that as the avowed grounding. Exactly. Yes. Uh, but I, I think there's definitely a place in society, especially given the inability of government right. to solve a lot of problems, and there mm -hmm. are a lot of different perspectives on what the government right. should be doing. Um, and I think back even when George W. Bush was president, and right. he really wanted to emphasize faith-based institutions, faith institutions and, and, and we even need in, that. Even in league with the government, which in, has been a absolutely. very challenging uh, church-state question, but uh, there have been models of how to, how to do that, and that, that, was, uh, uh, that was a bold initiative, I think, that has um, borne some good fruit, yeah. as a matter of fact. Well, and the Salvation Army, I think 13% of their funding comes mm. from government programs mm -hmm. and grants. and. Right. Often in a particular city, they'll actually be hired by yeah. the government to run a housing program. Or, right, right. You know, so we, we have to have more of that, and uh, I think it plays a really important role. Well, your daddy's daughter has <laughs> carried forward with that mission and brought some faith ingredient to it as well. Yeah. Thank you for how you've made life better for Dallas, as a matter oh, of fact. You. Ruth, we're thank so you. glad to have you on Good oh, God. Oh, thank you. It was okay. wonderful to be here. Terrific. Thank you. Okay. Good God is created by Dr. George Mason, produced and directed by Jim White. Guest coordination and social media by Upward Strategy Group. Good God. 
Conversations with George Mason is the podcast devoted to bringing you ideas about God and faith and the common good. All material copyright 2019 by Faith Commons. After 8 to Educate is the first all-encompassing program to support unsheltered high school youth in Dallas by offering them education in a safe place as a pathway out of homelessness and poverty. The Fannie C. Harris Youth Center will house both a drop-in center and residential services. For more information, visit after8toeducate.com.